never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, by the way, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media and our phone number. If you want to join this late-night national town hall, you're welcome to do so. We are live right now, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And a couple of big stories that are coming on tonight. Happy Monday, by the way. We've got this um, Kentucky bank shooter uh, I'm going to give you the, the rundown on that from the, pol- from the police um, statement, as well as what's going on with the latest with, there's uh, a story out from some requests that were put into the government, you know, like FOIA type request, and uh, they reveal that somehow the White House had requested special access to the Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, so we're going to look into that as well. But I have a, a little bit of audio from this police chief with respect to the shooting that happened in Kentucky. I'm not going to play it all. This is um, Jacqueline Gwynn Villarreal, the uh, uh, Louisville interim police chief at a press conference earlier today. Listen to this. Officers were on scene within three minutes. The suspect shot at officers. We then returned fire and stop that threat. The suspect is deceased. This is the only time that I will mention the suspect name in this case. The suspect has been identified as Connor Sturgeon, white male, 23 years of age, who was employed at O National Bank. His weapon of choice was a rifle. We have five total deceased, which includes him, but I want to acknowledge with heartfelt condolences, prayers to the family of those who lost their life today. Tommy Elliott, 63 years of age. Jim Tut, 64 years of age. Josh Barrett, 40 years of age. And Juliana Farmer, 57. We have a total of nine victims who were treated and are being treated at University of Louisville Hospital. Three, which are in critical condition, including our officer. Three, who are listed in non-critical condition. And three, who have been treated and released. The two officers who struck in exchange of gunfire, one of the officers... He was grazed to the left side, and the other officer suffered minor injuries to the elbow. I just want to let everyone know that the officer who is in critical condition today, Officer Nicholas Wilt, 26 years of age, just graduated from the police academy on March 31st. I just swore him in, and his family was there to witness his journey to become a police officer. He was struck in the head, engaged in this 
incident. Nick has come out of brain surgery and is in critical but stable condition as we speak. All right, again, that's the uh, police chief, um, interim police chief, Jacqueline Gwyn Villarreal is the name that I have here. And a little bit about the shooter here. The shooter, Connor Sturgeon, 25 years old, and I understand we're not supposed to say his name, so you can hold those calls. I will just refer to him as the shooter. Anyway, um, he um, apparently has been posting things online uh, that were anti-Trump pro and pro-lockdown, according to some uh, analysis in the post-millennial. Uh, let me just see if we can get into that. Because I want to get into this at the top of the next hour, but I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on it. But uh, apparently he was very critical of uh, Fox News host Tucker Carlson in one of his tweets and uh, referred to Trump as saying, every time Trump tweets some racist S-word, the strong character responds with the Trump portion of the comment being added in later in a different font. I do one push-up. All right. I'm not getting the context of that, but apparently he's not a big fan of El Trumpito de Naldis Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. So that's what we know as of now. Obviously, there, there was more. But th this is the equivalent of when I was younger. People used to call this going postal. Now it's mass shooting and whatnot. But back in the days, it was called going postal, and it was because most postal employees were uh, infamous for this, for, you know, losing their, their mind, so to speak, and, um, you know, going in there and hurting people. And it was a term that was used colloquially as, um, you know, oh, so-and-so is going to go postal, this guy's going postal. It became, uh, you know, again, a colloquialism that we used uh, yeah, in the 90s and 2000s and whatnot, at least, you know, as far back as I can remember. I'm sure it's, it went on way before my time as well. But it's interesting how that's changed. And it's, it no longer belongs to those who worked in the Postal Service, who, you know, at the time, it a lot of hype uh, and research you know, that was peer-reviewed and whatnot. But what it, ultimately, um, what it ultimately showed me was that they owned it. And now they don't, right? Now it's all over the place. Everybody can, quote-unquote, go postal, if you will. So I found that to be interesting. And again, we're going bring to bring in a guest at the top of the next hour to jump into this story. But I also wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, what's going on with a report that Breitbart News is, coming, uh, is putting out. Listen to this. Joe Biden's White House was involved in the raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. President Biden's administration through something called a special access request, was involved in the raid, according to documents obtained through the National Archives by America First Legal. Legal. Ha-ha. I bet you didn't know that one. So, listen to this. These documents show the FBI obtained access to records through a special access request from the Biden White House on behalf of the Department of Justice, contradicting what the archives told Congress. This is what America First Legal learned today. Now, again, we just, I think it was on Friday or Thursday, we just had the director of investigations, John Zadrozny. He was on our show. If you missed that show, make sure you check out 
the uh, podcast and you could hear a little bit about what they have going on. But they're constantly pulling FOIA requests and document requests from the federal government in order to fact check them. And uh, this goes on. It says, notably, despite the archives claim that it had not been involved in the DOJ investigation, the documents show that the archives official that was responsible for administering all access requests for the presidential records, a guy named John Laster, was involved in preparing the 15 boxes for FBI review as late as August 23rd of 2022. <laughs> and there's a copy of the email that they received here. Uh, showing Susan, do you have a few minutes to discuss the missing Trump boxes? Uh, let me know if you want to use Google Meet or if we can speak on my cell. The rest is redacted. Susan writes back in a meeting now. Can I call you around one o'clock? And they go back and forth and uh, agree to meet at six o'clock. So there's proof that they talked about the Trump missing boxes. And on October 25th, acting archivist uh, Wall then wrote to then uh, ranking members uh, Jim, Jim Comer and Jim Jordan claiming the, that NARA received the 15 boxes from President Trump on January 18th. So we'll find out a little bit more about what's going on there and the witch hunt against El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. Don't go anywhere because there is more to come. Up next, Congressman Devin Nunes, CEO of Truth Social. Keep it locked right here. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. As promised, we have a former congressman from California, current CEO at Truth Social, Devin Nunes. Welcome, sir. Rich, it's great to be back on with you. You bet. So there's a lot in the news, and I want to pick your brain uh, in the little bit of time that we have uh, on so much of it. And uh, obviously there was a shooting today that we can talk about uh, t towards the end of our conversation. But uh, th there's some, some news about uh, Christopher Ray and about the continued targeting of, of people um, of faith that I, I feel like, you know, they, they targeted you, they targeted Trump, they've targeted so many people. Uh, what do you make of this, this news about targeting people of faith? Well, it shows that there's almost anything they, they won't uh, target that tends to be center right. I mean, I think it's a known fact that a majority of the people who go to church uh, tend to be center right, Republican, conservative. And it shows you just how woke and nuts the Department of Justice uh, led by the FBI, really, at the, at the point of the spear, tip of the spear, are willing to go, Rich. And I think that, you know, people have to wake up in this country. And, and you know, I've dealt with these guys at the FBI, you know, going back to the Comey and McCabe days and during the whole Russia hoax. And it just seems like everything continues to get worse. And, it, you know, every day you think it can get worse and it gets, gets worse. Yeah, it does seem to be getting worse uh, with respect to that. And and y you mentioned um, all of that stuff, and it seems like that's not going away, right? We saw last week with the uh, indictment of Trump, and 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 now it seems like the media is is sticking with just one side of the story and and just running on whatever they can, going from one Trump indictment to try and now create uh, news around another Trump indictment. Um, how are 
What's your take on how social media is responding to this, being that you're in the tech sector? <laughs> well, there's essentially two worlds of, of social media. There's the state-controlled social media, which is essentially everyone but true social and rumble. And I know there's been some hope for Twitter. Uh, President Trump and I have been very supportive of Twitter uh, being you know, not only purchased by Elon Musk, but hopefully where it would make improvements. And there was a, a big um, story last week with respect to banning TikTok and with the Restrict Act and whatnot. And while they're poisoning the minds of our kids, I think it's interesting how they're look. It looks to me like they're poisoning all of American liberty with this Restrict Bill. What's your thought on that? Well, look, it's a real it's a real challenge because it's not easy for the United States government to go in and ban a private company. It's seldom been done in this country. And so you've got this this challenge that the Congress is trying to deal with where they, they're playing whack-a-mole, but sometimes trying to go after and target one company, which has constitutional issues surrounding it, they could get a whole bunch of others contaminated or caught up in that process. And so you know, look, I, I I hate Rich. I was in Congress for a long time. It's easy to throw stones at those guys. I try, I try not to do it. I think maybe what's happened here is is they've they've acted quickly as they should when it comes to TikTok, but maybe it needs a little more vetting in terms of how to how to target uh, a company like TikTok that I think everyone has concerns is being controlled by the Chinese military and intelligence apparatus. So. So they probably need to be a little more thoughtful on that process so that we don't end up in a situation where the Biden you could see you could quickly see the Biden administration just deciding at some point that they don't like true social. They don't like Rumble, the only two real free speech platforms that are out there. And, and they could target they could target us. You know, and the same is true. You have to remember that, you know, Parler, which I was one of the first guys that was on Parler. I know you were on there. Sure. Uh, two at the time, it was it took off, became a billion dollar company, and then was targeted not by the U.S. government so much, but by some two dozen tech tyrant companies that decided to just say, "Look, we're not going to provide you Parlor any services," and that's why you know Truth Social was started was be was because of that. Yeah, and that's, that's so true. And, and here we are today, and it seems like certain things change, other things don't. You have the, the, the Democrats jumping on board uh, the let's ban parlor, and I think some Republicans also because of their communist roots and whatnot, but not realizing it seems like this bill is somewhat of a, a poison pill type of Trojan horse where I, I think it, it, there's a lot more bad in it than good. From what yeah, I and I think what we'll have to see is the, the U.S. Senate – you know, it's supposed to be the place to take a look at this closely. And it's it's really the the Republicans have good intentions. I mean, it's it's important that we do treat TikTok as a potential threat to our country, but it's the law of unintended consequences that they have to deal with. And so now I think they'll have to, you know, look, we, we want, as, as True Social, we want to make sure that we're not impacted by this legislation in, in any form or fashion. Yeah. You know, uh, Congressman, I'm looking at this uh, article today, uh, and its uh, headline is Social Media and Big Tech Companies Have Hired Hundreds of People from Federal Agencies, Including FBI, DOJ, CIA. Now, I can understand why, if you uh, ran any company, you'd want to hire somebody who's an ex-CIA person or an ex-DOJ person, uh, et cetera. 
but it seems like these tech companies have taken that from what we've seen in the Twitter files and whatnot. Uh, they've taken that a little bit further, and these agencies or these companies have become extensions of these government organizations. Um, talk to us about how you handle that at Truth Social. Well, what you what you had in that time is probably important to go back. President Trump became president because he was able to utilize Facebook back in the day. Uh, he back in 2016, he was amazing on Facebook, doing rallies where he'd have thousands of people show up, and then you'd have you know 50 or 100 thousand people watching on Facebook Live. And it was Obama and Zuckerberg who, right after the 16 election, said, "Oh, we can't have this anymore." And that's when the tech companies were already woke. They're already moving in that direction. But that's when this all started. And then it culminated in right before the 2020 election with the with hiding of the Hunter Biden laptop. And then, of course, the the destruction of Parler, which is an, which was an alternative platform and has led to, you know, has led to where you know we are now. I always like to tell people that. President Trump didn't need a new company. I didn't need a new job. But here we are standing up for in the really in this breach, holding up people's right to free speech. And that's kind of how I how I see us. It's 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 why I left Congress and it's why we continue to, you know, continue to promote free speech out there. And I'll tell you, Rich, it wasn't something that I ever thought of. I never thought back in 2016 that Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, or any of these companies would be would ever do anything like this because Silicon Valley was supposed to be the home of people who were in the center or more libertarian. They definitely uh, weren't woke, and so I, I tell you that story because this is why they've went down this the the left creatively went down this road at the urging of Obama to seed people from these agencies that probably were already woke known entities within the FBI and DOJ. And they plugged them into these different uh, companies. And I'm sure it's still happening today, but it's not obviously they don't knock on our door. Well, thank God for that. All right, America, keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. We're on with Congressman Devin Nunes, CEO of Truth Social. We're coming straight back. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night with Devin Nunes. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with our guest, Congress, former Congressman Devin Nunes, CEO of Truth Social. And Congressman, are you still with us? 
I am, Rich. Great to be with you again. Excellent. Yes, sir. I was making sure that the, uh, the deep state didn't get you. Now, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, to get to talk uh, for a few minutes of uh, some 2024 politics. Um, what's the field looking like to you so far? Obviously, there's a clear, clear front runner with uh, President Trump, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of noise coming in from different angles. What do you make of that? Well, I've always said that President Trump has been the leader of the Republican Party. And he continues to be the leader of the Republican Party. And we're, we're in uncharted territory here because typically after someone has become president, they go off, they ride off into the sunset. Uh, but that's not what's happened here. President Trump has continued to stay active in American politics. He was really the key fundraiser, key driver of recruitment for the Republicans in the House and the Republicans in the Senate. And, you know, there's a lot of criticism that uh, that that I'd say fake criticism towards Donald Trump on that. But the rea the real reality is, is that Donald Trump has a massive following, a massive movement. And it's one that that really has has spearheaded the fundraising arm of the RNC and, and the, the NRCC and everywhere else. I mean, it's it's Donald Trump who who activates the base and has really turned the Republican Party from a party that relied on on small business and business, large business to, to some degree, um, but now has really turned it into the, the People's Party, the Workers' Party. And that's that's where it is today, where it's 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 mom and pops from all over America who who are are now contributing to candidates. I mean, even I saw that in my last campaigns when I ran for office, I had, mm. you know, you know, thousands of Americans from all over the country, which I would have never had that before. And so I always say that Donald Trump's leader of the Republican Party until he decides he doesn't want to be. And we're lucky to have him. He was critical in, in 2022. He was critical, actually, in 2020 with that the seat that we picked up in the House. And he'll continue to be, you know, very, very important as long as he wants to be, uh, you know, until he bows out of politics. And I just don't see... Um, you know, anyone who's out there that has a, a chance to beat Donald Trump. And I know that, you know, as much as the fake news wants to promote that, you still have the never Trump that's out there that promotes that. But, you know, look, I spent a quarter century in in politics, nearly you know two decades in, in Washington. And I've been you know involved in a lot of races. And uh, look, when they're they are willing to go to depths never seen before, including bringing these phony indictments against President Trump. That tells you kind of all you need to know about what's happening here. So the Democrats, if they wanted President Trump to win, they wouldn't be, or, you know, they wouldn't be bringing these uh, indictments. They think he's the, the, the toughest candidate out there. Uh, it's why I, I, people don't see this, and I, I keep saying it, but it's the Mar-a-Lago raid in August of 2022, last year, it was designed to take President Trump off the field before the 2022 election, plain and simple. Now, look, it backfired on them, and President Trump went up in the polls. Uh, the same is true for this Soros-backed DA in Manhattan. And, Rich, I know you spend a lot of time in Manhattan. I'm sorry that you have to do that. <laughs> but but it's, it's orchestrated to try to take Trump off the field, plain, plain and simple. And whatever the hell they're going to do in Georgia— and, you know, don't even get me started with this with the DOJ investigation that, that into this document hoax raid at Mar-a-Lago. 
it's just totally corrupt. I mean, we started this interview with with Chris Ray and the FBI. I, I just I can't believe I'm seeing this in this country, but it is it is what it is. And there's not another way to say it, but we're fighting Marxists and communists today. And I, I you know, I always knew that the, the left, I remember, you know, back in 2010, I wrote a, a short policy book. And you know, I said that, hey, there's this is dangerous. These these leftists that are met, that are working with big business and big government. Well, little did I know that in that short time period, uh, they basically have taken over everything. And so it's really a fight against against Marxism, a very dangerous ideology. And you see it. I mean, you see it just just manifesting itself across our whole society with this. I mean, who would have ever thought that that but both what do we see just here in the last in the last week? We've seen, you know, the Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, like using a guy that's a chick to promote the beer. And then you've got Nike with some girl or some guy that says it's a girl. Like, what the hell is this? What are people talking about? And I just thought I'd never see it in this country. And I think there was going to be a backlash against it. And I think President Trump uh, is in the, you know, a very strong position right now uh, to beat Joe Biden, if Joe Biden is even the nominee, which I still have my doubts about. Yeah, me too. Uh, our guest is former Congressman Devin Nunes, CEO of Truth Social. Congressman, uh, you, you mentioned your service to the public in past tense, because obviously you're not in Congress anymore. Uh, what about uh, uh, another run at something in the future, maybe even, you know, getting involved uh, on a ticket with Trump in the future? <laughs> well, look, I, I, I left Congress, um, you know, not to, even though it's a, a role in the private sector in an entrepreneurial position. Uh, but I, I left because we had to get the Internet back open so American people had a voice and to get their to their rights to free speech to back. And I'm on that mission. I'm going to continue to stay on that mission uh, until we get it done. And at True Social, we are we're in the middle of, as you know, we've had we, we finally got on the Google Play Store back in uh, last October. So we've barely been fully open for six months. We continue to just set record after record. Last quarter was another record. Uh, this month is already starting off as about as hot as, as you could be. Obviously, news and information drives us, but we're working on really important features. I mean, right now we're we're news and information, kind of mm -hmm. your typical your typical news feed. But you know, we're building out groups, and if people are used to Facebook groups or Reddit, this is critically important for people to be to to get organized. And when I say organized, it means not only just politically in your rights to free speech, but it also means to have the rights to follow and create your own group with your friends and your family. And one where you're not going to be spied on, you're not going to be shadow banned. We're not going to take and use and sell your data. And so that is a really important tool that we are building. So if you look at, we're trying to take the best of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and put it onto one easy to use platform and right now, that mission is is right in front of me, and it's not done yet, Rich. And so, um, look, I, I never say that uh, you never say what you'll never do. Um, but look, right now, right now, there is a critical mission because I, I really feel that that you know, forget President Trump or any Republican, they're not going to be able to win these reelections without a successful, true social and a successful partner like we have in Rumble that supplies the video capability and the, and the cloud and the ad platform. Those are they're two critical companies to the future of this country. And so, 
you know, even though I know it's business and it's entrepreneurial, but for me, it's a, it's a mission and it's one that's rooted in our, our constitutional rights as citizens in this country that have been ripped away from many of us. Americans follow him at Devin Nunes with an S on Truth Social. Uh, that's at Devin Nunes with an S. And uh, Congressman, I, I want to thank you for being here with us. Keep giving Elon Musk a run for his money and keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's honestly, I think it's the Lord's work in big tech. So Godspeed to you, sir. Hey, Rich, it's great to be with you. And congratulations on your on your new show. Great to be with you again. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's Devin Nunes. Uh, God bless you, sir. And there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Acts of violence like this hurt. They tear at the fabric of who we are, at our society, at our state, at our country, and this city. Today, I'm hurt, and I'm hurting. And I know so many people out there are as well. We lost four children of God. We have lost another child of God, according to a, a recent update here. Uh, this one's coming from CNN, a 25-year-old bank employee. Uh, that would be the, the shooter. Uh, has claimed the life of a fifth person. One of the people that was critical uh, is now um, dead. That would be 57-year-old Dina Eckert. So uh, my uh, condolences to her family. I, I hate talking about these things. And um, speaking of me hating talking about these things, I, w I always, uh, during the breaks, I try to check the um, social media to see what's going on. And, of course, you're always welcome to join on social media and comment. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, and the phone lines are open if you want to uh, discuss this or anything we've talked about thus far. Uh, but I wanted to uh, talk about a, uh, a critique that I just got. Uh, somebody at... 20 minutes into the program or 15 minutes into the program says, yeah, you spent all of three, mo uh, three, three minutes talking about the shooting tragedy. You named the killer, jumped right into some political BS about Trump. I'll never listen to this station again. That's 10 minutes I'll never get back. And that's uh, Cleo Cleo 1953. So thank you for your uh, critique, Cleo Cleo. Um, you're probably not hearing this since you said you'll never listen again. <laughs> but uh, I did say we're going to get to the shooting stuff at the top of the next hour, and we do have uh, the um, uh, correspondent from Breitbart News that's going to be joining us, AWR Hawkins. Uh, so keep it locked right here for that. Uh, but I did want to bring you this breaking news update uh, as a tease so that, you know, uh, we're keeping you up to speed on everything that's going on in America at night and, of course, getting to your calls and thoughts and whatnot as well. Uh, let's go to Jason in Arlington, Texas, K-L-I-F. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Good to hear hey, from you, Jason. sir. Hey, Jason. Thank you, sir. Likewise. 
that's honestly awesome that you, uh, I, I'm able to get to talk to you, but, um, I, I wanted to touch base in terms of, I know we're talking about the shooting here and I just wanted to chime in and it's, everybody has their own different views when it comes to guns, gun laws and whatever that is. Right. Sure. But I do agree that if the government is trying to take that away from us, what's going to happen to us law-abiding citizens when we don't have anything to defend ourselves? When, you know, people from the borders are crossing over and bringing whatever they're bringing with them, it's just, you know, definitely it's something that for us to do. And essentially the shooting, it's not, it's not the gun manufacturer's fault. It's not the gun's fault, you know? Right, 100%. You know, I was just thinking, you know, the, um, and again, I, I'm, I'm sandbagging some audio clips so that we could play them a little later when we have our, um, our guest on. But uh, with that, there's, a, there's some audio of um, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, and she's talking about that today, saying, you know, uh, how many people have to be killed? How many times do we have to have another shooting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, before we ban AR-15s, weapons of war, et cetera. And, and I think, you know, it, it's such a uh, cheap shot, low-rent political scheme to do those things because what you just said, right? It's not about the gun, but they're going to do that. And, and my, my gut tells me that they'll eventually get um, some sort of ban on, on what they want, whether it's the style, uh, you know, the, what they like to call um, assault-styled rifle or whatever it is. And, and again, I laugh because I, I, I'm, it's the incredulity that, you know, it just gives me this nervous laughter. I'm not laughing at the situation, but I think, my goodness, how crazy things are. Uh, and I think they'll eventually get there. But you're right. The, the issue is once they've done that, What's next? Of course, we've started the slippery slope where they can ban whatever they feel like banning and they just keep talking about it in the media until they get their way. And it has nothing to do with what's right and wrong, it has nothing to do with what's in the Constitution, it has nothing to do with our natural rights. It just has everything to do with what the media decides. And I think that's wrong, Jason. I, I, I agree, because when it comes to the narrative, that's what they want to control. And that's why for us Americans, I mean, everybody needs to wake up. I have not been an American citizen for a long time, but to become an American citizen, you can do it properly, you can do it legally, and it's, you know, it's not fair to those who did things legally, who paid the fees, who went to interviews, all those things, and then next thing you know, you know, we see, see different people coming over the border, north and south now. Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, and this is uh, a situation where people are coming over the border. And again, I don't I don't perceive that as a an immediate threat to my family, per se. I think the biggest threat that poses is economically, uh, because it's more uh, what's going to be slave labor in reality. And uh, shame on Biden for allowing it to happen. But there are people that are coming across the border, all those gotaways that, you know, you've got to think if they're not stopping for any freebies or a bus ticket to go anywhere or to say, hey, look, I want to stay here. They're not here like the majority of the people sneaking in there trying to work. The gotaways are here to do something. We don't know what, but it, it isn't it isn't legit because they're trying to hide constantly and they're not stopping to check in. So um, yeah, all good points, all well taken. I agree with you. There's a lot of reasons to protect ourselves, not the least of which is protecting ourselves against a rogue government. 
And uh, God forbid that ever happened. Anyway, uh, I they're telling me I got to check out. We'll be right back. Jason in Arlington on KLIF. Big shout out to everybody in Texas. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. You've been hearing about the controversy over a, I was about to misgender him and call him a drag queen, uh, but he is a transgendered individual, uh, trans activist named Dylan Mulvaney. He identifies as a woman, uh, but he kept, I believe he's kept his original um, biological male name, which is Dylan Mulvaney. And he's been in the news for a lot of reasons, right? Um, Anheuser-Busch recently defended him, um, appearing to be used as a spokesperson after the beer maker celebrated 365 days of girlhood, saying that the pact uh, authentically helps connect with audiences. Now, this trans activist revealed on Saturday that the beer company sent packs of Bud Light to him, featuring his face on the can as a way to celebrate a full year of girlhood. The... um, the celebration was, you know, part of what he did on social media. Mulvaney said the cans were her most prioritized possession, <laughs> uh, prize possession, excuse me, uh, on Instagram with a post featuring uh, Bud Light Panther. And the video featured Mulvaney in a bathtub drinking a Bud Light beer as part of the campaign. Well, as you can imagine, after that, there was a huge backlash of Bud Light drinkers saying, you know what, we don't like that. This isn't what we signed up for. If you guys want to support uh, transgenderism and uh, normalize the mental health issue known as uh, gender dysphoria, then we're not going to drink Bud Light. And people are just jumping ship left and right with Bud Light. I saw a video today of, uh, I don't know what that's called. It's not a backhoe, but they figure a backhoe with those like tank wheels. And it was just crushing pallet after pallet and case after case of cans of Bud Light in this huge, uh, in this huge open space. So, um, Bottom line is Anheuser-Busch is back, and they're saying, uh, no, I think we've done the right thing. I don't know if we have time for the full clip, but I want you to hear uh, a part of it. This is Alyssa Heinerscheid. She's Bud Light's VP of Marketing. Listen to this. All right. The, The deep state says that it's not working. So anyway, she basically makes a defense of that. And I guess uh, I'll play that audio for you along with uh, Mr. Excuse me, Ms. Mulvaney and a conversation with another transgender individual named Jeffrey Marsh, who I believe is also a woman, but I'm not sure. Uh, don't uh, quote me on that yet. But the names are Dylan Mulvaney and Jeffrey Marsh and Alyssa Heinerscheid. Anyway, straight ahead uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to discuss the shooting today and we're going to get into all the details of that as well as your call so if you're hanging on keep hanging on if you're calling in it's 8334-VALDEZ 833-482-5337 don't go anywhere keep it locked right there we're coming right back
the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Hour number two, Monday night, and uh, we're continuing our coverage of everything going on in America at night. Earlier today, uh, there was a gunman that live-streamed a mass shooting at a Louisville bank in Kentucky that left five dead and eight injured, Um, and that fifth one just died a little while ago. Uh, It was kind of touch-and-go throughout the day. Now, this guy is 25 years old. Uh, He was identified by police. And uh, eight people have uh, been injured. And it's uh, the whole thing is unfortunate. But we heard briefly uh, earlier, we heard from the police chief. I want you to hear a quick clip of that as well. The suspect is deceased. This is the only time that I will mention the suspect name in this case. The suspect has been identified as Connor Sturgeon, white male, 23 years of age, who was employed at O National Bank. Now, it's also been revealed that this uh, individual who uh, was the shooter and is now dead was also um, politically active on social media against Trump. Uh, against lockdowns and was one of these just really uh, disturbed people, apparently, under the uh, handle Sturge 41 So, again, I, I just want to reference that because this guy clearly seems unstable, in my opinion. Anybody who does this type of thing is, is typically a whack job. But um, I want to get into this. And uh, I, I, what gives me pause about this whole thing is that it's – there's a serious problem at hand and we always even you know even here like for me i go past the big problem is that there's a huge need to help crazy people right i shouldn't say crazy people who need mental health services and instead it becomes a defense of one's natural rights to protect themselves and on the other side it becomes an attack on one's natural rights uh, to protect themselves and and those who are left in the balance, those that need this mental help don't get it. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll never understand um, why this becomes what it becomes. But here to help us make sense of it is A.W.R. Hawkins, Breitbart News Second Amendment correspondent. A.W.R., welcome, sir. Rich, great to be with you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, these situations that... Not fun to talk about, not fun to discuss when you hear about all this loss of life. And uh, it's so unnecessary and just so um, unsettling. Uh, but what's your initial reaction to what happened today? Well, my initial reaction is that um, a 23-year-old who told, left behind a message that he was going to go shoot up the bank picked a time when there wouldn't be security there because he went before bank hours 
so uh, that's typical of someone who wants to do a high-profile attack. They try to find a place with the least security. And he went in, and, uh, and he did what he did, and uh, that's the first part of my take. The second part of it is the police show up three minutes after being dispatched and handled it like the Nashville police did. They handled this deal uh, with genius aggression, and uh, they marched right in there, and they took him out. And so God bless those officers, every one of them, those that were wounded Amen. and those weren't. And, uh, but that's my total take. And at some point, Rich, and this may be where you're going, so I don't want to lead you. It's your show. You lead me. But I just want to say, at some point, people got to figure out the security can't be allowed to take a break. You have to have security, whether it's a school, a bank, or whatever. If those doors are open for business or if people have access to that building, there has to be security, Rich. Yeah, and, and feel free. No, I, I, we're bringing you on because you're the expert on these things and uh, looking to hear your take on it. And I agree with you. Look, I think, you know, banks are, are secure places. There's vaults. There's all sorts of things. And, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and then I moved to Jersey as a as an adolescent. Uh, but I can tell you, I didn't see a bank that didn't have bulletproof glass until I was in my teenage years in Jersey. But in New York, every bank had bulletproof glass you couldn't touch a teller. They were all behind this, you know, two and a half, three inch thick glass. And, and, and that's always been the case when I was a kid in, you know, eighties and whatnot. So, uh, I, I agree with you. I think we need more, more security in, in that regard. Uh, but I feel like, and again, I know you're not a shrink, uh, but I, I, I feel like there's such a lack of focus on the human aspect of this, you know, both the lives lost and these people that are nuts. And, and for right. lack of a better word, and, and I feel like, I don't know, I guess part of me feels like we might be able to help some of these people. You can't help everybody. I realize that there are people that can't be helped, but you know, just like people who jump off bridges, you know, some of them really want to jump off a bridge and others are looking for help. But ultimately I feel like these people, they're, they're, they get shortchanged and whether they become martyrs or be, they become uh, the, the, the target of, of either side and, and ultimately, this becomes this big battle of, of you know, us protecting our rights, and rightfully so. I'm not saying we shouldn't. We should definitely protect our natural rights to, to, to keep and bear arms and protect ourselves against our government and against intruders and against anything else. But, but when and how do we include the, the, these people that need help in the conversation? I'm not sure, AWR. No, well... <laughs> And I divide these people who may need help into three categories. Number one, those that need help uh, and can be helped. Uh, mm. But number two, some people, if you're so crazy that you want to kill people, I really believe the only solution for those people is either to be locked up the rest of their life or to be killed. And I don't mean we decide who it is, we just kill them. I don't mean that. I mean, right. they'll just have to cross paths with the wrong person or with the police. Uh, and, and then you have that third category, evil. And sometimes I believe we make excuses and we say, oh, he was mentally whatever. No, maybe he's just evil. And you cannot stop evil with a law. You can't stop evil with a psychiatrist. You can't stop. I mean, I can keep naming things. You can't stop evil. If an evil person leaves a note for his parents, says, I'm going to go shoot up the bank. And he's already made up his mind. I'm going to die in 25 minutes. There's not a law in the world that can stop that person because he's already ready. 25 minutes, his life ends. 
he's going to do all the damage he can do. And in that situation, the onus is on us. I have to have my, I have to have my six sire on my hip or I have to have my Glock 43 X on my hip or whatever it is. I have to be prepared because evil strikes anywhere, anywhere that it can, that it can work its way into its strikes. Man, that was really well put, and I think you, you really nailed it for me. Uh, you're right. Evil, you can't stop evil except for putting it down, and, um, and that, that's very, very important, I think, as part of this conversation because ultimately I think so many of us, at least starting with me, uh, you want to help as many people as you can. You want to be compassionate. You want to, you know, thoughts and prayers for everybody, uh, but you just want to see this type of thing end. And, of course, I realize, look, I'm not, you know, a rube. I realize there are bad people out there, and they're always going to do bad things. And as you said that, it reminded me of this shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where uh, the guy shot his grandmother on his way to shoot the little kids in kindergarten. I mean, you can't stop evil except by putting evil down. Excellent point. The other thing was you said Glock 43 on your hip. Isn't that the sweetest little thing ever, a Glock 43? Anyway, that was a sidebar. But uh, we're going to continue with that, and I want to get your take on law enforcement uh, straight ahead. Let's quick hit this break. Folks, we're on with AWR Hawkins, Breitbart News, Second Amendment correspondent. Our phone number, if you want to join the conversation as well, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. In Nashville last week, uh, Louisville this week, they are getting there very, very quickly. But why are we asking them to do this? I mean, they're going into uh, a firefight in the streets of their city. Uh, we have two officers uh, in this case, uh, which were... Uh, wounded. There's trying to determine, you know, what the outcome was. Was it a self-inflicted wound or was it some sort of fire from the officers that took out the shooter? That's Clint Watts, former FBI agent. He was on MSNBC today asking, why are we asking our police to go into a firefight? And I thought, hit the brakes. I thought that's exactly what we expected our cops to do when there was there's a bank robbery and somebody's shooting people inside a bank. I want the cops to go in there and shoot the bad guy. If there's a, a shooter inside of a school blasting kindergartners, I want the cops to go in there and shoot the bad guy, put him down, destroy the evil. Anyway, that's my expectation. I don't know what yours is. Our phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Our guest is AWR Hawkins. Breitbart News Second Amendment correspondent. He's got a great newsletter, by the way. AWR, what do you make of Special Agent um, Clint Watts and saying, why are we sending cops into firefights? I don't really know what to make of that. I was kind of shocked when you played it. Um, You can either send the cops in or you can let uh, some evil person or some looney tune stack up bodies, however you want to do it. Uh, You know, I've 
I said, uh, when Sandy Hook happened, all the complaints about Sandy Hook, oh, he had AR-15, oh, he had this, oh, he had that. The left never talks about the fact that guns were stolen. That's one point. Another point they don't talk about is that there was no armed security in there. So that kid had almost nine and a half minutes with no armed response. And I try to tell the left, it doesn't matter what type of weapon that individual has. He could have a 38 revolver. If he has nine and a half minutes to ply his trade without armed response, uh, it's shocking that he only kills 26 people. So I say all that to say, if I took that guy's advice from the clip you just played, if officers took his advice, we would have Sandy Hook after Sandy Hook after Sandy Hook after Sandy Hook. It can't be that way. People have to know if I make this dumb decision to attack a school, they are going to kill me and they're going to kill me quick. That has to be in the back of their mind. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's super important and I can't believe I mean, it's no wonder. And again, I don't mean to slight the FBI, but I guess I do. Uh, but it's no wonder the FBI is in a shambles. If you got guys like this guy that are saying, you know, why are we sending cops into a firefight? And again, I realize that, you know, we don't want firefights. But listen, I've, I, my brother is a federal agent right now. I've got uh, that same brother was a retired New York City cop and another brother is a New York City cop that retired. And uh, both of them have had to have been in shootouts, multiple shootouts. And uh, nobody wants to do that, but it, it is what you sign up for if it's a, it's a part of your day to day. You know, it's like telling a firefighter they're not going to fight fires, you know. And another That's thing, I, real life, another thing, Rich, there won't be there's not as great of a need to send the police in. If the school or whatever business it is has done its due diligence and has security there on the front end, or if you look, name a school that has armed teachers, name one that has armed teachers where somebody has launched an attack and killed people in that school, you, you're not going to come up with one. And so we don't have to worry about police having to charge in that school and take out a shooter because the shooter knows if I pick on that school, I'm a dead man. And so we do the preventative work that way. We let people exercise their natural rights because being disarmed in any location, whether it's your home, your church, your school, is unnatural. And in an unnatural position, humans pay a big cost. Yeah, and, and I think another part of this story that is people are glossing over, at least the media is glossing over, I think they're giving one sentence to it, and to me it's a really big one, is that this guy worked at the bank. And he was a disgruntled worker. This wasn't some sort of random attack or because people were white or transgender or anything else. Uh, it seems to me that this guy just had some sour grapes against the bank and figured this is how he was going to take it out. What, what do you um, what do you think uh, w with respect to that? Uh, is this idea of going postal? Um, it, it's, it's not a new idea, but it seems to be no. getting glossed over in the media. Right. Well, when you said going postal, Rich, my mind autom automatically went back to the late 80s, early 90s. That's mm -hmm. how old that idea is. But again, you don't go postal if you know what, as Trump said, these people that do these kind of things. He said after the French attack in 2015, these people that do these kind of things, they have to know bullets fly both ways. And, uh, and so the problem with this guy being a bank being a bank employee, see, he's able to slide in that bank before work hours, get in on those people having the meeting. Uh, he can bypass glass and, and bulletproof glass and everything else because he's got the pass to get wherever he needs to be. And this is why I say ultimately, no matter 
what your income is, no matter how high or how low, ultimately your safety is in your own hands. And people who don't exercise the Second Amendment right, I've never understood them because they are ultimately dependent on somebody else to keep them safe. And that is 180 degrees from the way our founders thought. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the founders, I want to direct your attention to Karine Jean-Pierre at the White House press briefing today, uh, where she basically um, takes aim at the Republican Party, saying it's the GOP that needs to show some courage here. Listen to this. All right. Uh, while we get that loaded, she basically tells the uh, the press, the media, that they are calling on Congress to work together with Democrats to ban assault weapons and anything that has a high-capacity magazine. All right, I think we got it queued up. Listen to this. Once again, today, the president has called on Republicans in Congress to work together with Democrats to take action, to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, to require safe storage of firearms, to require background checks for all gun sales, to eliminate gun manufacturers' immunity from liability, these are common sense actions we can we can ask for and should be getting right now. And it's what Americans want. We know that majority of the American people support this. Instead, we've watched Republican official after Republican official after Republican official double down on dangerous bills that make our schools, that makes our places places of worship, that makes our communities less safe, while too many Americans are paying with their lives. So, again, we need to act and we need Republicans to show some courage, Republicans in Congress. Is it Republicans in Congress that are costing people their lives or whack jobs that are shooting people because they're evil? Right. I mean, you just summed it up. And and the deal is this. I was thinking about every gun control she mentioned. See, the problem is what I was saying a while ago, not one of those would stop what happened today. Because once somebody determines, I'm going to die, I want to kill people so bad, I'm going to die killing them. Once they make that decision, there's no law that will hold them back. No right. law. And and the other thing is, and for your listeners, I bet your listeners are such rational people. Just think about this, listener. Try to just have a blank mind and think. We have over 432 million guns in this country. There's no way you can keep criminals from getting their share of those guns when they want them. The only solution is to be armed for self mm -hmm. That's it. An armed society is a polite society. A.W.R. Hawkins from Breitbart News, thank you for being with us, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. Great to be with you. Godspeed. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead on the economy. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media and our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ is the number. And I wanted to um, 
talk about something that I saw because we had the jobs report come out uh, just a couple of days ago and it didn't meet the expectations that many had for it. And uh, there's additional uh, stories out there. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal with the headline, listen to this, bosses want hard workers so they're hiring older people. Some companies are recruiting seniors on the premise that age equals a stronger work ethic. Now, uh, I remember taking a couple of, um, you know, those HR courses and whatever, and that sounds like the type of stuff you're supposed to not say <laughs> about older workers and having stronger work ethic. That's uh, apparently wrong in some companies, but it seems to be happening. And uh, I said, you know, let's get to the bottom of this. And we've got our expert with us, Bill Walsh, he's a business strategist, and he's also the CEO, CEO and founder of Power Team International. He's also the author of the book, The Obvious, and you can get that on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Bill Walsh, welcome. Hey, good to be on. How are you doing this evening? Wonderful. Thank you. So let's talk about why bosses are hiring older workers, and is this something that's kind of a one-off type of thing, or is this happening in, in large part? I think what's happening today is that, you know, a lot of these bosses are looking for someone that's going to show up every day. They're not going to be distracted. They're not looking for that second or third side gig at the same time. I think so many of the younger workers today, they, they almost have to have a side hustle to survive. Where I think many of the workers that are in their 50s or 60s, if they put something away, uh, they certainly can, can go a little bit longer without having to be distracted by 20 different side hustles. Right. Yeah. It's a little tough to hear you, Bill Walsh. I will try it again another time. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, that's Bill together. Walsh, business strategist, CEO and founder of Power Team International. And, you know, one of the things that I think it comes to mind here is how there are people that are looking for this older worker because ultimately younger workers just aren't passing muster for a lot of people. Uh, and again, this isn't me discriminating against workers. This is more so the idea that we have some generation that is focused on work and another generation uh, that is focused on work in a different way. And some are the type that say, hey, you know what? I want to work from home. I want to work um, you know, remotely. I want to work less hours per week. And then you've got other people that say, you know what? Look, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from a different generation or I have different responsibilities on my plate. I don't think you owe me anything other than a fair shot. And this is one of those things that uh, they're willing to do. So it comes down to that. And I don't know uh, how that's going to pan out, whether it's uh, discriminatory or not discriminatory to do those things that way. But I do know that we, we, uh, we need to see a change, right? We need to see more people working and we need to see wages go up more than, uh, than, than inflation. And that doesn't seem to be the case thus far. Anyway, um, we will uh, continue with the conversation on workers and older workers and how that's impacting the economy straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're continuing our conversation. There was uh, uh, somebody I was about to speak with about gun control. I think I lost them. Anyway, uh, let us uh, continue the conversation. Uh, I wanted to play this clip of audio for you from just uh, over the weekend where we heard from this these two gentlemen uh, that I was telling you about, or two women. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure... It's really confusing. I believe they're they're gentlemen. They're men that are biological men that have kept their male names, uh, but uh, identify as women, and that would be Dylan Mulvaney, and uh, let's see what number is that? Jeffrey Marsh. Thank you. All right. So let me see here. Let me just scroll to this part so that you could hear exactly what I'm talking about, um, because they're uh, talking about womanhood or what they call girlhood and um this is the back and forth that was on uh, instagram and tiktok over the weekend listen to this girlhood becomes yeah. stronger when there's more of us behind behind it only certain people are allowed in but who's allowing that's the real question who is you know? i i don't Maybe there isn't one. And maybe the most <laughs> beautiful part of it. Do you have any relationship to the concept of girlhood? I absolutely do. I find girlhood to be inspiring. There are a lot of human beings who are girls who transcend what their gender is supposed to be. Yes. And that to me is something I draw strength from and excitement from. All right. So that was uh, Mulvaney and Marsh. And what's interesting here is they're talking about girlhood. And it was the vice president of Bud Light that came out and said, you know what, we're doubling down on our woke strategy because girlhood is where it's at and girlhood comes in many different forms. And uh, her name is Alyssa Heinerscheid. And I have that audio, it's ready to go, listen to this. Well, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm-hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. All right, so that is, again, Alyssa Heinerscheid, Bud Light's VP of Marketing, discussing her position on the woke agenda that they're taking at Bud Light and basically saying, look, if we have to replace that outgoing previous um, customer of Bud Light, fantastic. If if, if that's what we have to do, we'll do that. And it's, um, it's, it's an interesting point of reference 
where you have people saying, you know, look, this is what we're going to do. We don't care. We don't care if we're going to lose everybody, you know, wearing their, their trucker cap. And that was once a Bud Light person, which he said frat boys and whatnot. They're, they're clearly looking for a different customer. And I find it fascinating personally um, when you can always look for a different customer without alienating your current customer. But to just say, hey, look, you know, uh, we have a, a base of, of, let's say, radio, right? Let's say you have a, a, a built-in listenership. Uh, why would you abandon your current listeners just to welcome new ones? Unless the new ones are going to outweigh the old ones. Uh, but even then, I would think you'd want to have both. And I understand you can't be all things to all people. But I think you've got to use um, some prudence here and be judicious in your thoughts, in, in your actions. And it, it seems here Bud Light is saying, look, we're done. We're done with everybody who was buying Bud Light. You clearly weren't buying enough of it anyway. So we're done with you, and now we're going to go to somebody else that we think is going to buy it. Otherwise, we're done here. And I understand that as a, as a, as a business proposition. I do. I just think it's, uh, it's fascinating because it seems that they don't quite don't care that people are, you know, bulldozing and crushing these cans on video. It's almost like the, you know pour out your Bud Light challenge, if you will, on social media. I think it's interesting. Anyway, let's uh, go to Kim. She's in Shields, Michigan, KDKA online. Kim, uh, tell me uh, your thoughts on what we're discussing. Okay. Uh, I agree that um, employers, they, they have fits dealing with these young kids. And, and you see more of them going to um, older people, at the very least, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, or retired people, you know, but they tell me the problem. When I, if I have trouble at a fast food place, I, this one place, I complain, and I said, how come they always screw this up? It, and she said, you wouldn't believe the kids that come in here with high school diplomas that can't read, can't add single digits, can't do basic things, and they, she said, I'll tell them to mop the floor, and they'll say, what's that? You know, they, they don't know anything, and it's not everybody. Of course, there's a few exceptions, but this is all. And then another thing they do is, especially since the COVID, these young kids come in, they get a job, they quit the next day because the place down the street's going to hire them for $3 more an hour. And it's been really bad since the COVID. And, and then another, I think even Walmart is getting fed up with it because I don't know if you heard this. I forgot to tell the call screener, but um, they said, I heard this on the radio, that they anticipate in five years being fully automated. And I don't know if that means there's going to be robots folding shirts and putting them on the shelf for display. I know at the very least it'll be checkouts, but, you know, um, it's... And then these kids, they can't do anything, and they want so much money. You know, they want, well, I want 15 Well, I want a union. Well, I want $18 an hour. You know, it's, it just goes on and on. They're high maintenance, and they don't know anything. That's all I want to say. <laughs> well, tell us how you really feel, Kim. Well, you know, uh, I understand uh, where, where you're coming from, and, I, and I've heard a lot of that, too. I mean, I can't blame anybody who, for saying, hey, look, so-and-so is going to pay me more money. I'm going to go work there. I would do that, too. I think a lot of people would, um, based on you know, on, on their need economically and, and the market. Uh, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, I've seen it a lot. I have a daughter that's, um, 
20, she'll be 22 this summer. And I remember during the pandemic, she had a job and, and she was pushed out of that job by, by the government saying, you know, we have to shut it down and, and, and you have to apply for un unemployment and whatnot. And I remember her saying, I, I don't want to apply for unemployment. And, you know, I was like, well, you, you, you should, because you're not going to make any money. And it was one of those things where she was like, but I don't want welfare. And I was like, it's not welfare. It's not welfare per se. Um, but she was, she was against it. And, uh, and, I, and I thought that was cute. But ultimately, I remember her going back to work as soon as she was able to. And what happens is that the, the um, colleagues, her cohorts, her contemporaries didn't go back to work for a couple of years. And I remember her telling me, like, a, a bunch of her friends just w stayed collecting unemployment and uh, filing extensions and doing whatever the process was uh, post-COVID that they um, they just didn't go back to work. And even, like, recently, where even though the money's dried up, a lot of them haven't spent the money that they got in unemployment, so they're still not working. And And I thought, wow, that's just amazing how, you know, times have changed. And another topic that came up today during lunch, and I think you'll appreciate this, Kim, was I remember um, I said something about, um, uh, about, about a car recently. And I was like, you know, when you're in one of those kind of cars, when you pull up, they're like, man, that guy's cool. <laughs> and I was with somebody who was a little older than me. And he said, he's like, I remember being your age and just having a car made you cool. He's like, isn't that funny how times have changed? And I thought, yeah, that is interesting how times have changed. Because now I feel like more young people have cars as opposed to back in my era where more people were borrowing their parents car and saving for one and very few people had their own car so it's interesting to see how we when we have more um we we want more and and it seems like that's where um so many of uh, the generation z crowd is today kim thanks rich yep you bet and uh, we'll continue that discussion, especially uh, that what you mentioned, what Kim mentioned about Walmart expecting 65% of stores to be serviced by automation by 2026, because that's an interesting take as well. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Expects 65% of stores to be serviced by automation by 2026. That's uh, just a couple of years away. And they said that uh, just recently at 65% to be serviced by automation. Uh, John in Vero Beach, WTTB. Go right ahead, sir. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yes, it's a pleasure. I enjoy your show each and every uh, night and day. I listen. Uh, yes, you, I've, I've noticed uh, when I, I'm out and about and I go in to do my shopping, uh, the young folks seem to have two speeds, slow and stop. <laughs> and, and a, a large percentage of them, not all of them, there's some that are really excellent, but a good per percentage of them have been dumbed down in, in, in school, in our school system. 
they, they, they don't know how to, how to do basic math skills. They have to go right to their cell phone in order to just add two and two. You know what I mean? And uh, it's very disconcerting. They have been, um, they've been let down by our educational system, and they have, have been taught that they're entitled to $15, $20 an hour. And, and they're jumping from job to job looking for that elusive uh, high wage that, that they just don't earn. Great point, John. Um, and and I, I've seen this myself. Um, I, I've seen it myself. And I, I'm of two minds here. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think maybe it's because as we get older, we just become more accustomed to the standard that we know. And then uh, we look at them and we say, hey, you know, uh, I wasn't that silly was I when I was your age I don't know you know I I can't remember when I was 16 I I started my own business and I know I worked my butt off to do the best I could and I felt like I was working hard Uh, but I'm wondering if there was critique about me you know that way the way we criticized uh, the young people today Uh, but I I do see what you're saying and that slow and stop the two speeds that was terrific because I've seen that happen and I'm thinking it's like where's the urgency where's the uh, commitment to excellence where's the oh my gosh I messed things up I feel like a lot of that disappears uh, with different generations whereas there's there's no pressure and they're kind of like well if you don't like it too bad take care beat it you know I'll go find another job it's never like uh, I'm afraid to let my boss down I'm really committed to the success of the organization and myself and their own personal work ethic. Uh, so, like I said, I'm definitely of two minds there and agree with you. And I don't know if it just hasn't kicked in yet or if it'll kick in ever because you're right. I think there is a sense of entitlement that goes along with some people. Uh, and I guess age plays a part. I think technology plays another part where people just grew up a different way, John, where, you know, that we're dealing with a generation that grew up with a touchscreen where they got everything they needed. Like they've never had to go to a wall that contained, you know, a volume of encyclopedias and look something up on paper, right? They were able to use their cell phone or a laptop or a tablet and, and get answers to things very quickly through Google. They've never used a card catalog. And, and I just think while these things seem mundane and probably to them archaic, I think to us, it, it creates this, uh, well, if this doesn't work, you do that. You, you have to, there's steps you go through while trying to work hard. And I don't know that those steps are there today. So it kind of creates a person that's more accustomed to immediate gratification and a, a simpler solution. John. Well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And um, that's, at least that's my thought. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I feel like sometimes I think, man, what, what is going on here? How did we mess up? And who are these people's parents? All right, let's see. Well, I, we don't have enough time to continue with the calls. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but we will continue with all your calls right now, right after this break. Just give us a couple of minutes. And it's Open Phone America. So we'll be talking about that and more straight ahead. And there's lots to talk about. Let me tell you. Uh, Biden says he's running for president again. At least he says he's running, but he's not ready to announce it. And crazy stuff happening over the weekend with the Dalai Lama. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Open phone America. Don't go anywhere. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Welcome to hour number three of the program. If you're just joining us, welcome. Our telephone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ with an S. And you can always chime in online on the social media, at Rich Valdez. Now, this is Open Phone America. We'll be taking your calls and your thoughts, your opinions on whatever you want to talk about. Uh, in particular, those topics that we've discussed tonight, whether it was uh, big tech and uh, everything else that was uh, going on in our conversation with Devin Nunes, former congressman Devin Nunes, CEO of Truth Social, um, or our conversation following that uh, with AWR Hawkins on the shooting that occurred earlier today. Or our, uh, albeit brief, because uh, lamentably his phone didn't work, uh, conversation, uh, brief conversation with, I don't want to, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to mess up his last name, excuse me, Bill Walsh, uh, who's a business strategist, CEO and founder of Power Team International. You can check them out at ipowerteam.com and uh, definitely check out uh, Bill's book, The Obvious. You can uh, you can text the word obvious to two six seven eight six to uh, get a link where you could buy the book. That's uh, just text the word obvious to two six seven eight six or go to Amazon wherever books are sold. And uh, Bill and I we spoke briefly. Uh, just there was like I said a phone problem, but uh, we talked about how bosses want hard workers, so they're hiring older people. Older workers who are lately in demand of, of many different companies are looking for them. And the perception is of generational differences that three quarters of people 65 and older, according to the Wall Street Journal survey last month, says that hard work is very important to them. And amongst 18 to 29-year-olds, 61% say uh, hard work is very important. So we... Um, we had this, uh, both the conversation and the data uh, showing that companies tend to believe the older workers are more committed to being hard workers than the younger workers. And we've had a number of calls on that throughout the night. So we, uh, that was part of what we talked about. Then, of course, Joe Biden says he's running for president. He's not ready to announce it yet, but he's willing to say he's planning on running for it. And the Dalai Lama. So the Dalai Lama... Uh, is in this controversy now, and I believe he's issued an apology. But again, I don't know how you apologize for the stuff that I saw over the weekend. It was disgusting. It's absolutely filthy what I saw. And again, I, I could see how someone might say, well, Rich, you're looking at it in the wrong context. You may be right. I was looking at a man, um, you know, holding a boy's hand. It looked like he'd positioned the boy's hand on his thigh or somewhere in that region. And... Um, kissed this boy on the mouth and asked him to suck his tongue. And that, to me, seemed inappropriate on every level. But again, I'm not a part of their community uh, of Tibetan monks, and maybe that's acceptable there. I just have to say, um, thank God my kids are not Tibetan monks because I would not allow that. 
That stuff is crazy. Anyway, your calls and more straight ahead, 833-482-5337. Let's go to Al calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Al, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. How are you doing, Mr. Valdez? Uh, First time caller, second time listening to you. And I just wanted to say that I'm close to 70 years old. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm really not ready to retire. In fact, I haven't even got my Social Security yet. And the reason I called is because it was just recently I talked to two companies, um, Lowe's, which is like Home Depot, and another company about, um, you know, you guys, man, are having some real problems all over Atlanta hiring people. You need to look back into that pool of us older people. Uh, I was born in 1954, started working at six years old. So one thing about us old people, we've always worked. We know what work is. We have a work ethic. And if you worked all your life, that's all you know is work. So it's no big deal. And um, I think one of the problems that we're having is that a lot of these companies, everything is dot com now. You have 80 to 100 million Americans not wired. Of course, they are the baby boomers, which is what I'm a part of. And really, we're not interested in, you know, anything beyond talking text and maybe an email. But these young people, you know, they want to be YouTube and TikTok stars. And they really haven't been taught a work ethic. And I think a lot of the corporate America going to have to realize, like I told Lowe's, Lowe's is so desperate. Home Depot so desperate. You go in there in the last four or five years, them kids don't know a screw, a screw from a nail. So hmm. I told them, I said, now, look, I'll come work for you guys. But you're going to have to, you know, you're talking about you got to be on the computer. I said, you're going to have to find a paper application. Well, they couldn't find a paper application, but they did say, well, when you do come, we'll get the hiring lady in the office to kind of help you do it on the computer. <laughs> so what I'm saying what I'm saying is, so we're going to have to go half. They're going to corporate America going to have to come down a little bit and we got to go up a little. Yes, because we're in the dinosaur days, model T Ford, but you're going to have to come down because the last time I worked for the system, it was paper application. Now I've been in and out of the system the last half a century, half of it working for myself as a landscaper and this and that. Of course, I got about 20 gifts that make me self-sufficient. And then the other half, I work for corporate America. So I'm just saying that um, it is true. The older workers got more experience, and a lot of us are not sick. I'm not on no meds. I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. My dad is 97 years old, still living. My His mother died at God 98, and I'm planning to be here another 40 years. So that's about 106 years old. I plan to leave. You say, well, why you say that? Well, I'm not on no meds. And I stay away from the things that's breaking down, us down, like the 10,000 chemicals in the American food supply, which is not in any other Western industrialized nations. Stuff right. like that high fructose corn syrup and Minnesota glutamate, steroids, hormones, pesticide, fertilizer, red dye, blue. Yeah, you name it. The list goes on and on and on. I know, Al. And I think you're right. Listen, a lot of older citizens are looking to get back into workplace and... Um, there is going to be a, a meeting of the minds, I'm sure, somewhere. If people want people that are willing to, you know, if they tell you, hey, be at work at 9, for many people in, in, um, in the baby boomer generation, be there at 9 means, you know, that they're already ready to go by 8.30 because they got their coffee at 8.15. And for other generations, 
you know, be here at nine means, you know, 859, I'm running into the, <laughs> into the place to clock in. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree that there's a definitely a, a disconnect, uh, in a lot of areas, but, uh, I still think there's a lot of hope for the future. It's not every kid that's like that. I'm regularly impressed by a good work ethic uh, when I see it on younger individuals. Al, thank you for your call from Atlanta, Georgia on WGKA. Thanks for listening and thanks for calling. Uh, we're going to continue with the rest of your calls straight ahead. Like I said, we're going to talk about the Dalai Lama and uh, what happened there over the weekend. Of course, Joe Biden, President Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, which means the bumbling one, by the way. Uh, it also translates into the drooling one. Joe El Baboso Biden, uh, he says to Al Roker on NBC that he is planning on running. He's just not ready to tell anybody yet. Anyway, don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. We're going to get to your calls right now. 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. And uh, President Biden uh, says to Al Roker that he is not going to announce just yet, but he is planning on running for president. Listen to this. So th this is a fantastic event, one of my favorites of the year. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> six. So what the hell? Are you, are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll, either, I'll, so either, I'll either roll an egg or you know, being the, 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 you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, help a brother out. Make some no, news no, for no, me. No. I, well, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right, so there's President Biden talking about Easter eggs, and I guess that was a very fun-loving thing that made him super endearing to Americans. That was lost on me, though. And uh, he says that he's going to run again. I, um, I don't like that one bit. I hope his Democrat friends try to stop him. I'd much rather see Gavin Newsom or Stacey Abrams or anybody else who's, you know, really detestable run because they're, they're honestly, they're so much easier to beat. I think Biden brings with him this, this, um, this, what's the word I'm looking for? People just feel bad for the guy. And I think they're just like, you know, he's just an old doting grandpa. And they just, you know, they, they, they feel bad. And because of that pity, it helps. It really works for him. I really think so. Anyway, um, speaking of Biden, we've got him finally signing the bill ending the COVID national emergency. COVID-19 national emergency is no more. It was signed into law today. The House passed it last week and it got to the president's desk today. And it was signed 
So that's official. COVID-19 is over, but the drama and the fallout continue. And I believe we're scheduled to have Dr. Robert Malone on the program in the coming days. He's uh, been very outspoken on the COVID-19 stuff. So uh, more on that um, this week. But your calls are still welcome. 833-4-VALDES. Let's see what we got here. Let us go to uh, Sandy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's listening on KDKA. Sandy, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, Rich. Uh, I want to not discuss politics, but uh, I actually like our our current president and stuff, but that's not why I'm calling. Uh, You mentioned using a card catalog and, and encyclopedias and books and stuff. And I just had this conversation with a friend of mine who's a retired teacher. Um, I am blind, so I could never use a card catalog or the printed book. So I had to have people help me with that when I was in school. And I'm very glad for the internet now, because as my friend and I were saying, it's like having a library at your fingertips. And She's a retired teacher, so um, even as far back as 12 years ago, she was still teaching her students to actually look things up using the phone book and to uh, put things in alphabetical order, like the file cards, like with Adams, Brown, Mm -hmm. Clark, and they had to alphabetize them, and the same thing with addresses and and stuff like that. so, yeah, you know, that was still in our century that, that she was having the kids do this. And I think that was a good idea. But to that end, as a blind person, I am very grateful to have that technology of the Internet and of email. And your previous caller, Al, brought up a very good point about mm. not everything that, that we've become too tech heavy. And I will agree with him because not all of the websites that are out there in corporation land they're not all the most accessible for the blind yeah and you bring up a good point sandy uh i I agree with you that the internet has made things easier uh, for people and ease is good you know Uh, i also have an appreciation for things uh and i think i might have mentioned this last week where um there are some people i know that you know they they go out of their way to find a car with roll up windows if they can because they don't want to deal with you know motors going on power windows and whatnot and and i get it i get it i um i recently got a a different car that is very very high tech and computerized and it's super cool i mean it does everything for you in many ways uh but at the same time you know if if and when something goes wrong everything goes wrong like you can't even shift the car into neutral you know to to get it on a tow truck if you needed to because it gets stuck in that mode because it's so computerized so uh yeah i get it i i think the um the point that i was making and and i and i think it's a, a an important one is that while it's great to have ease of uh looking for things for you know the sighted and 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 the blind as well but moreover, it was really just to teach the thought process to younger generations that this is how we used to do this and not for the to be lost on them as being for not, but more 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 so that it it uh it creates a new way of thinking for you where it's like, oh, you know, in order for me to do this, I have to do that. 
and and you um, you're able to function when there isn't internet, when there isn't whatever. You know, I work off of two computers as I do this show, and one of my computers is currently down. So it's interesting how you know when you're in a radio studio, you know a lot of things could go down, and as long as you have your microphone and that still works then you can grab a newspaper and you still have access to headlines. And, and I think that's always the fail-safe, right? The actual printed word on a page uh, as opposed to, you know, having, you know, 27 windows open with uh, news articles and whatnot, trying to keep up to speed on what's happening with breaking news. So, yeah, I agree with you 100% that the Internet's great. I just think those that have grew up with the Internet and didn't have the old way of doing it, they, they don't have as much of an advantage uh, when it comes to critical thinking and understanding how these systems work overall. And I, I only learned that through my own observation of people who, you know, worked in radio and did reel-to-reel and, and had different ways of doing things where it, it wasn't as fancy or easy as automated as it is today. So I think there's a lot to be said for yesteryear and the simplicity of um, pre-technology technology. Anyway, I hope that made sense. Sandy, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Uh, let's see. Well, probably not enough time to go to another call because they will then kick me out because the music will come in. But I will say we're going to get to the rest of your calls momentarily. And we do have calls from Danbury, Connecticut, Dothan, Alabama, Evergreen, Montana, Climax Springs, uh, Monta- uh, Missouri, excuse me. And uh, many more. So we're going to do that. I also want to remind you, if you missed any portion of the interviews that we have on America at Night, make sure you check them out online. Go to the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. You could stream the show there. Let's say, um, you know, you're listening to me and then you're on a road trip and, you know, the signal on the radio station you're listening to goes away. Boom, you could listen online. Just tell Alexa or Siri to play the, uh, the show and visit the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you get those notifications. And uh, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. It's America at Night, Open Phone America, with me, Rich Valdez, and all of you. And I'm looking forward to it. Don't go anywhere. tell you about the Dalai Lama. BBC News is reporting that the Dalai Lama regrets asking a boy to suck his tongue over the weekend. Yeah, no, you heard it right. Lamentably. The Dalai Lama has apologized after footage showed him asking a boy if he wanted to suck the, the, the Tibetan spiritual leader's tongue. His office said he wanted to apologize to the child and his family for the hurt his words may have caused. The video also showed the Dalai Lama kissing the child on his lips. His holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, and even in public before cameras. He regrets the incident, his office said. Wow. 
The footage has sparked widespread criticism with many social media users saying it was inappropriate and disturbing. The incident appears to have taken place at the Dalai Lama's temple in Darshmala on the 28th of February. I'm sure I said that wrong. Don't correct me. He had interacted with about 120 students who had completed a skills training program organized by the M3M Foundation, the philanthropic arm of a real estate company known as the M3M Group. I'm sure if we looked into them, we'd find a few skeletons in their closets. The, the uh, foundation uploaded, uh, uploaded excuse me, photos from the event to social media in March. In one of them, the Dalai Lama is seen hugging the boy from the viral video. In the video, which has circulated online, the boy is seen asking if he can hug the Dalai Lama. The leader motions to his cheek saying, first here, and the boy kisses his cheek and gives him a hug. Then while holding the boy's hand, the Dalai Lama motions to his lips and says, I think here also, and kisses the boy on the lips. The leader then puts his forehead to the boy's forehead before sticking out his tongue, saying, and suck my tongue. And some people laugh. The boy sticks out his tongue before withdrawing a little, as does the Dalai Lama. I didn't see that. I, I saw the boy try to step back, and the Dalai Lama was like, ha, 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 come here. Uh, there are also more hugs as the spiritual leader speaks to the boy for a while longer, telling him to look uh, to good human beings who create peace and happiness. Uh, sticking out one's tongue can be a form of greeting in Tibet. Oh, how did I know that was coming? Uh, wait till you hear about you know how they greet people in other places. Uh, the Dalai Lama has been living in exile in India since fleeing Tibet in 1959 following an uprising against the Chinese rule there. In 2019, the Dalai Lama's office apologized after the spiritual leader told the BBC at an interview that any future female Dalai Lama should be attractive. <laughs> oh, you can't make this stuff up. Anyway, I saw this video. Let me tell you what I what I saw. I saw him grab the boy by the hand and take the boy's hand and place it onto the Dalai Lama's lap, uh, upper thigh, maybe even closer to his groin, and he caresses the boy's face. And again, this is all subject to interpretation, right? I looked at it through the lens of what is this creep doing? And I saw lots of creepy things. If you're looking at it through the lens of what is the spiritual leader doing to bless this child and you think this guy's above reproach, then that's exactly what you're going to see is some very innocent uh, tongue-sucking invitations and uh, mouth-kissing uh, between a grown 80-something-year-old man and a, and a little boy. I don't think that's okay, normal, or cool in any circumstance. And the crowd... They, they, should have, uh, they should have been aghast at this, but they weren't. And it leads me to believe there is a lot of sick stuff that is going on in a lot of places. Now, people say, oh, Rich, don't be so harsh. Don't be so whatever. No, let me tell you something. We live in a world where back in the ancient Roman days, right, ancient Greece uh, as well, this idea of pederasty, it was a normal thing where parents were like, no, take, take my boy. He can be your sex slave. Just teach him because we want him to learn from you, you know. And that idea is a crazy idea. It was normalized back then, but it's not normal today. And anybody's trying to bring it back, I think, is, is a sicko as well. Anyway, let's go to Sue in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, WXDE. Sue, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, well, I'm responding to that story, too. And, you know, I think that uh, in Tibet or before, you know, the Dalai Lama was uh, in exile, 
families put their sons in the monastery just so they can get three squares, you know. It's not like they have some calling or anything, like they want to be a llama, you know. And if he's doing this in public, you got to wonder what the heck is going on behind the scenes over there in Dharamsala. Let me tell you, I'm I'm totally with you. It was exactly what I was thinking. I said, man, if this is this is so brazen that, you know, he feels no shame to do this in front of cameras, just imagine the things that are happening when nobody's looking. And, and it means that it, it happens a lot for him to be that comfortable. And I, I'm sure Absolutely. people are going to say, you know, uh, I, I've seen, and, and this is, opens a different debate, right, about, you know, people kissing on the lips. Um, there's some parents that say, oh, I kiss my kids on the lips and others. I, I've never done that. It's never been a custom for me. It wasn't a custom for me growing up. Uh, it wasn't a custom for me at weddings, but I've seen it all over the place, and I know people are split on that issue. Uh, but I just don't think it's right, especially with some spiritual leaders, Sue. Yeah, and, you know, this is the thing. It's just like in the Catholic Church or whatever. You know, uh, these kids are taught to, like, revere this guy. And uh, it's just like, you know, you be, you know, when you grow up, you're supposed to respect the priest and everything. And, and the more authority the person has, uh, the less likely a child is going to be to push back. And it just makes you wonder, you know, with everything that's going on with children in this country, the sexualization of children, poor kids now all over the world, who's looking out for them? It's, it's just horrifying, actually. Yeah, it is. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody listening on WXDE, uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware area. Let's go to Ed. Ed's in Dothan, Alabama, WDBT. Ed, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich. How you doing, buddy? Wonderful, sir. Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to comment on the caller. I believe his name was Al from Atlanta. And go right ahead. I just wanted to say that I agree, I agree 100% with him. Uh, I'm, I supervise three younger guys, and they just don't have – the work ethic. Uh, they worry too much about what somebody else is doing and they ask why they got to do it. Uh, you know, and I agree with the, the computer stuff. You know, I'm old school. I'm the type that believes a handshake is a contract. When you shake your hand with somebody, you make a deal. That's, that's it. And, and you, you, we don't, mm -hmm. they don't have, go ahead. No, no, please continue. They don't have, uh, they don't have respect. They don't have, and I'm not, not all of them, a lot of them don't have respect. They don't know what loyalty is, um, dependability, you know, uh, but that stuff that is, that is taught by parents when you're kids, you know, if my mom and daddy had told me to do something and I said, why, um, I, it would have took me a few minutes to get my senses back after they slapped me upside the head. You know, you didn't right. ask why you just did it. Right. Right. You know? and, and you know, that's so, part of, I think how things have changed so dramatically, Ed, is that, you know, now that's, the norm is, no, absolutely, I'm a person. I should be acknowledged. Uh, I should be allowed to ask why. Kids have been put on the same um, plane as their parents, and their minds are like, look, we're equals here, right? You just happen to have the parent role. I happen to have the kid role, but we're, we're both the same here. So let's act as such, right? And, and this is why you've got kids that are calling child services on their parents, you know, and, and, and trying to leverage that control. Uh, and this is a long time in the making because people um, 
from psychologists to schools to you name it to now social media have have put this idea in their kids head that you know you're not supposed to be subservient and respectful uh to your parents um but moreover it's just mutual respect and uh, as colleagues and there's a collegiality amongst people that are equals and i i've reminded my children on multiple occasions absolutely not you're a small child and i am an adult and I am the parent here, and I literally pay stuff, and you pay nothing. You just suck money, <laughs> right? So uh, slow it down there, kiddo. And and I, I constantly remind them of, of how this works. But I can tell you that the pushback is not just um, from them being, you know, smart Alex, but really because they, they have a view that they've accrued from, you know, their time in the world and, and their contemporaries that this is – you know, this is unfair and it, it shouldn't be this way. They, they want to be uh, one's equal. And I'm sure they understand my position on that, but I don't think every, every young child even understands that. Right. Well, I, I listen to your show a lot on the way home. I work three to 11 and I usually catch you on the way home. So well, uh, I'm a first you. time caller. I just wanted to comment on that guy. And if he ever gets to Dothan, Alabama, I'll buy him a cup of coffee. Oh, that sounds great. Well, Ed, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, really, really good things that you had to say. Big shout out to everybody on WDBT. Uh, let me see here. We'll take the, the break right here. We'll come right back, wrap up with the rest of your calls and more. Cause there's a couple of other things I wanted to go over. So don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. I'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Continue with your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let us go to Jim in Danbury, Connecticut, WLAD. Welcome, Jim. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. How you doing, Rich? Doing great. We were talking before about Amazon, and one of the things that I've learned from a link somebody sent me months ago was that uh, Amazon has already opened three stores in London regarding cashless, and Walmart was considering going that way. They had $3 billion worth of thievery last year. That's one of the things, I guess, that is prompting that. But what gets me, and this is just in our local Walmart, you walk in there, you try to get help from anybody, nobody can speak any English. Now, I've been a video store for 15 years, and when our clientele started changing, I learned a little bit of their language, you know, to be able to converse with them and to keep them as a customer. So I think well, that's what's happening to Walmart. They're bringing it on themselves. Yeah. Well, again, I, I don't know uh, what's happening with Walmart. I, I hadn't heard about their theft uh, issue, uh, but I, I know that they're closing stores in certain areas. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. There, there's uh, some of it's the, the local ordinances in these places where they can, they're allowed to, to be robbed blind and you can't do anything about it. I saw a video over the weekend. This one was very disconcerting. 
These were little kids. I'm, I'm going to say three, four, maybe five kids that were all under 10 years old. Or at least they looked, appeared to me to be under 10 years old, like eight or nine, maybe 10 years old at the max. And they're, it, they appear to be being held behind a door that's closed at a Walmart. And then they come running out and they have stuff all in their hands, like, you know, candy. Just They went in there, they tried to steal stuff and look like the security guard uh, closed the door and said, no, you're not leaving. Uh, and I don't know what happened, where or how, but eventually the guard opens the door and they just come running out. And you, you see people commenting, saying, oh, my gosh, you know, our generation is screwed, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and uh, you know, some people are telling the security guard, how'd you lock those kids in there? How dare you? But my, my thinking was, this is very bad, right? I mean, we're in a really bad place where now this is how kids are doing their shopping. They're like, oh, no, it's free. You know, we saw this happen in New York with the trains where people said, oh, I don't have to pay to go on a train. You just hop the turnstile. And it, it's just become a part of life. They call it subway surfing. And it's like, no, why would I pay for that? When you start to adopt this mentality of uh, why should I pay for this and why should I pay for that, you're going to end up stealing everything because ultimately what's, that, what's worth paying for, right? If you've already embraced the idea that if I want it, I can take it. And it's that uh, thug, uh, thievery type of mentality that I think ruins societies ultimately. Right, uh, at least that's my thought. But yeah, the uh, I've seen one of these Amazon cashless stores. Very weird, right? It's it's kind of like man, you know, I've I've never liked those types of things. I don't even like going to like the local pharmacy here, uh, and um, doing that whole you know kiosk self checkout thing, where you know it freezes up and then you need help and somebody has to come over to you and push the buttons on the machine for you. I'm thinking, wouldn't it been better instead of have you behind a counter and just ring me up? put everything in a real bag, not just a paper bag, a plastic bag with handles on it and let me leave. But they've complicated life so much to make it easier and better and greener and whatever that we've got more crime, less bags, and everything seems to come with a lot more heartache. Right, Jim? Well, the Bible says in the Revelation, it says there will come a point in time where a man will not be able to buy any, or well, nobody will be able to buy anything without the mark. Yeah. Well, uh, it seems like um, people are trying to make that uh, that much easier. I don't know if anybody's getting the mark. I mean, we have debit cards. We have Apple Pay, um, Google Pay. There's so many ways of doing these things, um, and we'll see how that ends up being. I don't know if may maybe our cell phone is the mark itself. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, there is more to come straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America night with rich valdez america at night with rich valdez All right, it's a two-for-one. Uh, we've got enough time for one call, but I'm going to take two. By the way, quick headline here. I didn't get to this one, but a man disguised himself as a Walmart employee in an attempt to flee from police. 
Um, spoiler, it did not work. All right, let's go to the phones here. Uh, let's quickly check in with William Fort Walton Beach, Florida, WFTW. Go for it. Uh, yeah, when I was 11 years old, I was accidentally shot in the head with a shotgun. I wasn't supposed to survive that, but I did. And then in 98, I was shot in the head again by a mugger. And I've got the wow. bullet in my brain from that one, but uh doesn't bother me. I still work at 62 years old. I still work 80 hours a week. Wow, and I'm William. I'm partially, par- partially paralyzed on my left side. And I still you know, work 80 hours a week, no problem. Well, listen, if you can do it, right, uh, it's inspiration for everyone else that we got to work hard to do that as well. Godspeed to you, my man. Big shout out to everybody listening on WFTW. That's amazing. I can't imagine being shot once, let alone twice, both times in the head. William, you're a freaking hero. God bless you, sir. And thank you for calling the program. I appreciate it. Sandra, Dothan, Alabama, WDBT. Go right ahead quickly. Yeah, I was going to say about, I call this inflation a merry-go-round. The Mm. government, with all their handouts, that's what started the inflation. And then they encouraged all these companies to give raises. Well, the people have gotten the raises and they can't live on their higher wages. There's no end to this unless, you know, unless this stops, uh, unless they have a a way to stop the merry-go-round, this is going to continue. I mean, companies know that people have money. So they're saying, well, we're not going to lower our prices. They have money to spend. We just gave raises. Everybody's given raises. The people absolutely aren't cutting back on anything. You go to the stores. I watch people in the grocery store. They don't even look at the price on the shelf. They don't stand back and say, oh, there's uh, Campbell's tomato soup, and then there's the store brand tomato soup, and there's a difference in money. Uh, They buy exactly what they want, even if it's wines or whatever. I've watched people. Very few people will carry a flyer that the store has for things on sale. I don't see, I see the flyers and I take Mm -hmm. them, but I don't see other people. All right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, And thanks for your call, Sandra. I appreciate it. Uh, You're right. None of this ends if we don't make it end. If the government doesn't stop spending and printing that money, we'll always end up in the same exact situation that we're in, which is a bad one. So I think you're spot on with that. And I do think people are buying less. Look, I can tell you I'm not buying as much red meat. Uh, I'm buying a lot more chicken. It's just how it is. I know people are trying to... uh, to save where they can and those that aren't they're just not they're not feeling it yet but they will anyway hasta la próxima until the next time i am rich valdez and take care good night and god bless we're going to do it all again tomorrow the bigger pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment we're having a real conversation as real real estate investors new episodes available every day it's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to bigger pockets on the market rookie real estate or money podcast the purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties the bigger pockets podcast on youtube or wherever you listen